everyone. I'm Linda McHenry, host of The Writer's Voice, and my guest today is Philip E. Temples, author of Uncontacted Frontier. Hi, Phil. How are you? Good to be with you, Linda. Glad to have you. We are going to talk about a bunch of topics today, including scientific murder mysteries, but why don't you tell us about that most recent book of yours? You can hold the cover up again. I love the green on it. Green's my favorite color. Yes, this is the uh, third in uh, what I call the Carrie Bloomfield series. She is my protagonist. She's a brilliant scientist based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and she gets involved with a number of, I guess you could call it scientific murder mysteries. Scientific murder mysteries, like lab lit? Yes, that's a term that um, I've heard people refer to, and it's probably apt. So tell us about it. What sets that apart from other types of mysteries? Well, a strong scientific plot in this particular case Carrie finds herself in very unfamiliar surroundings. She's asked to participate in an expedition to the Amazon in Brazil in search of new potential medicines. And she gets more than she bargains for. She um, is paired with an old flame, an old romantic interest of hers. They haven't seen each other for 40 years. He is supposedly the vice president of a large pharmaceutical conglomerate based in Europe. And he turns out to be not such a nice guy. I won't go too much further. Those spoilers. <laughs> now, that's the third book in the trilogy. In the first two books, is it the same kind of plots? Or you know, does she encounter different kinds of situations? Are you still dealing with pharmaceuticals? And does she travel to South America? The second book in the series, I'll work backwards here, involves our protagonist, Uh, who is sent undercover to a biotech company in Alston where they're working on uh, some very bad bacteria that the government has actually obtained from the thawing tundra of Alaska. They've sent it to this company to find a possible vaccine against a potential threat, but instead there are devious people at this company who uh, are working to weaponize it to sell to some very unscrupulous people in Russia and the Middle East. Hmm, sounds familiar. <laughs> and so what about <laughs> what about the first book? Yeah, the first in this series, The Windship Affair. This is where our protagonist, this goes into a lot of her early history, her childhood. Uh, oh, and I should also say that because of her incredible fortune in high tech, she's a self-made multimillionaire. Oh, okay. So she gets to go on these adventures on her own dime. In this one, another scientist who's based out of Woods Hole in Falmouth has discovered some incredible technology at the uh, the bottom of the ocean floor. All of my novels feature evil companies. (laughs) They've pursued this gentleman. They end up murdering him for his secrets, but not before he leaves her with a mysterious box that contains many of the secrets of his research. So now they're after her. So it's a cat and mouse game. So I'm guessing here now that you have some sort of scientific background yourself. None at all. Well, my wife does, though. <laughs> Your wife does, though. So so scientific knowledge once removed. <laughs> the protagonist is loosely modeled after my better half. Oh, okay, cool. So it's sort of like you're doing right what you know, but not. <laughs> when I come to the um, really hairy scientific parts, I pull her in. I say, what what do you think this should say? Or how do you think this plot should go? I actually authored, offered her co-authorship on 
one of these books, but she refuses. So. You know, don't you think that's important that when we write, we have to research it? And if, you know, if we don't live with our research source, we need to find someone who can mm -hmm. give us that. And, and you know, there's a lot of people who, who don't want to write outside of their comfort zone because they're afraid they're going to be wrong. But, you know, how deeply do you have to dive? I guess that's up to each individual. What, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I've found the internet to be extremely helpful, as well as Wikipedia. And um, you have to constantly be on guard to not just excerpt entire portions, but rather to interpret what it is that you're researching. Well, I, yeah, I do a lot of research online, and I've gotten to the point where I will not use anything unless I've had three different sources confirm it. And one of the things that I learned about Wikipedia is I like to use that for a quick dive, but all the information in Wikipedia is contributed by people. True. Okay, so I can go in there and just put something down, and I know I have a background in insurance. I'm considered a subject matter expert. I have read things in Wikipedia about insurance that are not accurate. So like you said, you do have to do your research, but you need to make sure that you're verifying it. And given the fact that this is fiction anyway, if yeah. it's off by a few things here or there, I'm not going to, to sweat it too Well, much. and that's, that's exactly right. But again, for, for people who are, who are worried about doing research, uh, you know, they don't want to write anything they don't know at all. I think it's probably you learn a whole lot more, and I think you, you, you have more fun being able to write about things you don't know about. I generally try to sneak in a few scenes in my novels dealing with the military. And I've never served in the military, have no military background. Mm -hmm. But again, it's, as you say, it's an area that's sort of outside of my comfort zone. But I've always found the Tom Clancy novels, the, the military novels, thrilling. So Well, and I think if you're interested in something, you're going to portray it in a way that will be interesting to your readers. Whenever we're enthusiastic about something, that enthusiastic is usually contagious. So what are the kinds of things do you like to write besides your scientific mysteries? Well, I started out uh, in my writing career, uh, and I still do, uh, writing small science fiction, fantasy, alternate history types of stories. And I do have an anthology, which I'll hold up here. It's called Machine Feelings mm -hmm. and Other Stories. Mm -hmm. This is um, my first anthology. I have another anthology coming out shortly. I guess I first started writing in the mid-late 90s just to entertain myself and to be able to read these short stories to my wife. She seemed to enjoy them a lot. And as time went on, I mentioned it to one of my coworkers at work. He's in the um, janitorial department at Boston College. And he said, gosh, there's another guy over in the communications department on this floor who also writes like you write. He introduced us. So I was introduced to my writing mentor, Michael Keith, by another coworker. Mm -hmm. He's more of a mentor to me, but we've been mm -hmm. bouncing back and forth off of each other for many years That's now. Good. He's, going to be on the, he's going to be on the podcast coming up soon. So you find the fellowship then of writers being able to as you say, bounce things off someone, have some sort of a partner in crime, so to speak, to help you. How, how does that help your writing? Oh, um, well, not to mention the fact that Michael is a PhD in English. That, that helps a great okay. deal. I'm just an engineer by training, okay. computer geek by vocation. That's really helped a lot. My writing style, I think, has really improved with the feedback I've gotten from Michael and, and other writers. So I am a member of the Mystery Writers of America. Uh, I also hang out on a, a really fun group of folks called the Bagel Bards. And before COVID, we used to meet every Saturday at a 
donut shop in Somerville, but now we meet virtually every week. So you like that community, just the fact, do you find that just the fact that someone else does what you do and they, they know the way your mind thinks? And I know for me that, that as a writer, I, I find that musicians and artists and certain other creative people seem to understand me in a way that others don't. Yes, they're also um, very quick to know that, oh, you wrote a book, you must be making a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> they know it doesn't work that way. Yeah, right. They know that. So you don't have to pretend, right. right? So you're a member of Mystery Writers of America and Bagel Bards. Do you think that it's important for your marketing and your networking efforts? How do you think other writers help with that? Because I've had a lot of people tell me, oh, I'm not going to join a writer's organization because that's going to take up time and it doesn't help me with my marketing. I need to spend more time marketing so people buy my books. How do you think being a member of a writer's organization helps you with that? Well, first of all, I've found very few writers who enjoy the prospects of, of marketing their books. I think it's universally hated. I know I hate it. So it's always good to get ideas from other writers on how to market your material. When you approach the small indie publishers like I do, the mom and pop shops, they don't do any marketing for you whatsoever. And generally to accept your manuscript, they want to know what your plan is. So it's really helpful in that situation to have other writers to draw upon for ideas. I probably never would have tried to even have a book launch at a bookstore without having heard from the experiences of other writers. You know, this is how you do it. This is what you should expect, that kind of thing. Well, another thing, too, that I think that a perspective that a lot of people don't look at is Number one, writers are readers. So the, the more writers you know, the potential to have more readers is there. And then if you do engage and do your marketing efforts together, do book signings together, do like the mystery making meetings that we see online and all different kinds of things. When people get together, they share their fan bases. They share their, their readers as well. And I think that because of the fact that most writers are either introverts or they don't like marketing. Most people don't like marketing because they view it as sales. That's something that I've done my whole adult life. I think it's fun because you get to meet people. Well, you're an exception. <laughs> but the thing is, I like to market for other people, okay? And in doing that, I put myself out there and, and stuff tends to come back to you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of different perspectives of that. And I think it's something that writers should probably be a little more open to. And there's different ways to sell yourself. You don't have to sell yourself. You know, I mean, think about it. If, if I want to buy a book, what I do, I don't know what you do. I'll open the book and I read the first paragraph and I'm not sucked in the first paragraph. I don't read it. Um, now, if I see five people in a Zoom meeting, the person who appeals to me the most is the first person's book I'm going to go to. I think that's typical with any product that somebody wants to buy. I think it's probably more important for writers like you're doing. Get out there, let people know who you are and see how that works. Doing what we're doing today does not come naturally to me. So <laughs> <laughs> putting myself out there. Well, and you know, um, I think most writers are introverts and getting in front of people and being the center of attention is not common. And I, I think though, that's probably a big part of the issue with writers and their marketing and their networking and being afraid to say, hey, buy my book because of that, that introversion. So tell me about your next book. You have a book that's coming out Next year, isn't it? That's correct. And there's a funny story behind the pronunciation of the title. I named it what I thought the Kanawha Anomaly, named after a region in West Virginia. And I was bragging about it on uh, Bagel Bards with some folks, and one of the guys said, um, 
Phil, I hate to tell you this, but it's pronounced Kanawa. It's a Native American name. In fact, it almost ended up being the name of the state of West Virginia. Uh, so there's a lot of significance to it. Tell us a little bit about it so we can look forward to it, because it's not part of your trilogy. It's a standalone, right? Correct. So my next book, which is coming out um, around August of 2021, is called The Kanawa Anomaly, uh, as opposed to the mispronunciation I had been using, Kanawa. And it involves employees of the Green Creek Coal Company who detonate an explosion to strip mine Kanawa Mountain. And when they do this, the blast triggers a series of unexplained and possibly supernatural events in the rural hills of West Virginia. Blue Avalon, uh, which is an elite team of civilian and U.S. military personnel formed to investigate unidentified flying objects and other unexplained phenomenon, it's activated to investigate whether an intelligent entity or force is responsible for the Kanawa anomaly. Uh -huh. It involves Native American characters, Leon Great Eagle and Ben Dancing Bear. And there's a strong Native American element to the plot. Sounds very interesting. So, so that's going to be out in August. Mm -hmm. I have really enjoyed having you here with me today. Hope you'll come back in the future. Would love to have you as part of the panel. I'm, I'm going to be putting one together and I'm going to have some, I want to pick a couple of unusual topics and have a, a nice mix of people in there. And when I say nice, I mean people that you wouldn't normally throw together <laughs> so we can have something interesting. So we'll have to have you back either on that panel and or when your book comes out. So Philip E. Temples, thank you so much. Thank you, Linda. It's been a real pleasure. Have a good day and we'll be talking to you soon. You